Good morning again. Our scripture reading today will be in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to, to get into your word, Lord. Lord, to learn a little bit more about what the cross has for us and what you have promised us. Lord, I ask that you would silence each and every one of us today, that we may hear what you would have to say. Lord, I ask that you would make me invisible up here, that we may only see you today. Lord, we only want to hear from you. I ask that you would attune our hearts, Lord, prepare our minds for what you would have. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I want, I want a quick show of hands. Quick show of hands and be honest about this. No one's judging. How many knew there were zombies in the Bible? There you go. Right? I literally just read it, right? You guys heard it. You heard it. Who, who knew it was there? Nobody knew it was there. I know Tim knew it was there. He and I talk about this every once in a while. This is crazy, right? This is weird. Welcome to the Bible. Often. This is an odd passage. This, this also only happens in the book of Matthew, by the way. He's the only one who talks about it. Probably because the other guy said, I can't put that in. They're never going to take me seriously. Right? It's only in the book of Matthew and his account of the cross. So you have, you have the death of Christ, you have the darkness that comes, you have the earthquake, and then Matthew saying, and then dead people were coming back to life. Could you imagine being one of those people who suddenly just, well, it's dark in here. And like going and appearing to other people. Can you imagine the, res the responses they got? In the city of Jerusalem, when they showed up and they said, um, I was at your funeral. What are you doing here? Could you imagine? What is going on? But this is so important. It's, it, it's kind of like last week where, where we talked about how the whole, the whole talk of the, the curtain gets like one sentence. And you would think something like this, something like the dead are coming back to life, Matthew would give a few more verses to. No. It's another one of those like throwaway sentences that the curtain is. So it's something that we have to dive into just a little bit more to really see, well, what in the world is he talking about in the first place? But this is exciting because I wanted to present this to you first off because I think it's the most ridiculous thing that ever happens in the Bible and it doesn't get talked about. <laughs> But it also exemplifies what we are going to be talking about today. And that is that the cross brings life. And so we say amen to that. Well, one, it's Pastor Doug. Uh, 
But you gotta listen to that statement again and I'm gonna tell you why it's ridiculous. The cross brings life. It's ridiculous. Think of this. What is the actual cross? It's a method of execution. That would be like us today saying, the electric chair brings life. We'd go, oh, that's weird. The firing squad brings life. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't make any sense. See, alive people were put on the cross and they get taken off dead. So how can we possibly say that the cross brings life? Well, if, if we're going we're gonna to get into this, we're going to understand why. But if we say the cross brings life, then what we've got to talk about is there's got to be death before it. So let's, let's look at this. Uh, Paul helps us out with this. If you go into the book of Galatians with me. We're reading very small amounts. Uh, so if you don't want to follow along. I'll read it to you, and that's okay. But Paul lays out what life looks, looked like before the cross for us. And he lays it out in two different ways. He lays it out for this is what life looked like before the cross for followers of God, and this is what it looked like for those who were not followers of God. We'll call them the heathen. If we go to Galatians chapter 3, Verses 10 and 11 say, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God under his curse, for the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has Life. So Paul has laid out what life looked like for the follower of God before the cross. You're going to be trying to follow the law and you're going to fail. Well, let's look like, that doesn't sound very promising, so let's look at what uh, the, the heathen life looks like. If you flip back, it's probably just one page to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, Paul lays out what the life looks like of the heathen. He says, when you, when, you def I'm sorry, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that life maybe on the surface looks like, oh, that's a wild party. What a great time. But Paul tells us anyone living like this is destined for nothing but hell. So neither one is really all that promising. For the followers of God before the cross, they had a problem of not being able to be good enough. They have all these laws, and each and every one of them is so important, and each and every one of them you're going to fail at at some point in your life because we are all human and we all have moments of weakness. We are destined 
to fail. And because we are destined to fail, we are forever living in fear of death. We are forever living in fear that we haven't been able to do enough. We are forever living in such a way that we are in a perpetual state of unknowing. Because the whole idea is, man, you better make sure your scales are balanced before you go. And who can do that? For the heathen, we have Paul laying out for us all that huge list. And he says that their lives are essentially driven by jealousy and selfishness. And he gives us that big old list. Really what they are doing is they are inadvertently inviting death into their lives. I'm sure that's not what they're out to do, but what they are doing is inviting death into their life. See, what that whole list does, if if you go through it and you really break it all down, what it's doing is it is forever putting you at odds with everybody else. Because you're going to be trying to make sure that you get your fill of everything good here, and I'm going to do it whatever the consequence See, each one of those things that Paul lists off is a dead end. And at the end, you will have profited nothing. They have invited death into their lives by living that way. See, these these lives that these people are living, both, both the follower of God and the heathen, they're still very prevalent in our world today. These kinds of lives. There's even Christians out there who are saying, man, I just really hope I've been good enough. There are definitely people out there who have no time for the word of God and will live however they feel like, whatever the consequence. So what that tells us is death still holds a lot of power in our world today, doesn't it? It holds a lot of power in each and every one of our lives still today. So I'm going to ask you, what what does death hold over you? What kind of power? Does it hold fear, sorrow, regret, shame? It enforces the mentality that, that we are finite And so we will say, man, I really wish I could have experienced this, or Bill, I really wish that I could have been a better that, or I really should have said or acted like this. It's just putting shame into your life. Boy, you haven't been good enough. Why would God ever want you? It pushes us to be greedy, selfish, anxious, angry, because it enforces the mentality that we have to get what we can now because our time is fleeting. And death will want us to think that our time here is meaningless. What's the point anyway? We'll all be dead anyway. Who cares? Death is an extremely powerful force in our world. It is such a powerful force that it can take the people of God and paralyze them. 
Because of the selfishness that it instills, death will keep you from spiritual growth. Because of the anger that it builds, death will keep you from relational reconciliation. Because of the anxiety and the sorrow that it cultivates, death will keep you from a full experience of grace and peace. Because of the fear that it produces, death will keep us from trusting in the goodness of God. We will live in constant fear of it and we will let it dictate our lives. That is to say that we will live to avoid death instead of living to experience life. You see how it does that? It can take all of those little truths and just twist it just a little bit. Because all it needs to do is take your eyes off of Jesus. And once your eyes are off of Jesus, we're in a heap of trouble. But, I just woke you up. You're welcome. I said at the beginning, the cross brings life, didn't I? Didn't we say that? I said that and Pastor Doug said amen, so you know it's true. So all this that we've been talking about, that would have also been our fate. That's what we would have been left with. That's what we would have been left to deal with on our own before the cross. So what's the difference now? Three weeks ago, we talked about how our path to salvation had changed, right? That it's no longer based on how good we are or how well that we are able to follow the law, but it's now based on the promise of God's grace. And two weeks ago, we talked about how we could trust this promise because the goodness of God, our King. And last week we talked about how this promise empowers us to live out that promise in this world, making us agents of grace and love as we support and lift up our friends, families, communities. So what is the difference now, guys? It's the promise of the cross has made it different. The promise of the cross is our salvation, and our salvation changes everything. Now there is no need for us to make sure that our scales are balanced because Jesus has forgiven us. Now there is no need to worry about where you stand when you're faced with eternity because Jesus has accepted us. Now there is no need for any animosity against your neighbor because Jesus has reconciled us. Now there is no need to struggle in trying to find the next moment of happiness because Jesus has given us access to every blessing we will ever need. And there is now no need for confusion of your own identity because Jesus has called us his child. And now there is no need to fear death because Jesus beat it. And he has given us the true and eternal hope that we would be with him for all eternity. And because of this, Jesus has given us the power to look death in the face and say, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Guys, that's all because of the cross. It's the cross. 
I don't know, I think I probably talked for about 10 minutes and I'm okay with that. But the next time, the next time, I just might, the next time that each and any one of you, we're still going to encounter grief. We're still going to encounter fear. We're still going to encounter struggle. We're still going to encounter a hopeless feeling. But the next time that you do, the next time fear shows itself in your life, or anxiety, or anger, or even selfishness, take a step back. Look death in the face and say, I am a child of God, and you have no power here. We talked about forgiveness a few times now. When you need forgiveness, when you need to offer forgiveness, look death in the face, tell them you have no place here, and go offer it. Go ask for it. And after you've done that, I want you to reach out. I want you to reach out to a friend. I want you to reach out to a family member. I want you to reach out to a, a spouse, a mentor, some good, sound person who loves you, who loves Christ. Reach out to a pastor. You got two decent ones here. <laughs> At least one, and then me. Let us encourage you. Let them encourage you. Let them pray with you. And let them reinforce that in your life, death has no power over you. Because death truly can be a very powerful force. If you let it. But because of the cross, we don't need to pay it any attention. Let's just remember in your own head, God beat it. Jesus came and beat death for us. Remember that it has no power over you. And when you do, experience true, real, good life. The cross will bring you life if you let it. Let's pray together. Lord, I don't know in this room right now who needed to hear this. And I don't know if, if there's anyone in this room who's never heard this or just really has heard it for, for fresh for the first time today. Lord, I pray that you would stir in their heart to want to know more. Lord, to bring them to the cross, to show them that they are forgiven. Lord, that they could be your child today. Lord, that whatever it has been from before, wherever they have been, whatever has kept them from you, Lord, doesn't need to be. You have removed it. Lord, that you love them so much. Friends, as you hear me pray, know that Jesus loves you so much. The cross proves it. The cross is for you, for your life. Lord, help us to remember that you have beaten death, that you have beaten 
everything that would stand in our way to experience the great blessing of life that you have given us. Lord, that we would not be stuck in perpetual grief and stuck in perpetual anxiety and in fear. Lord, that you would bring new life and joy to each and every one of our lives because you are willing and you are gracious and you are full of life and blessings, Lord. Lord, go with us Go with us today. Go with us this week. Lord, help us to be those agents of grace and love for you and show our friends and our families how much they mean to us and how much you mean to us and how much we mean to you. Lord, bless the day we have ahead of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.